Ladies and gentlemen, you want experience during your football season? Well, buckle up, sweet cheeks. That's all we need. We've got all the experience in the world. This is I Want Your Flex with Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Mike and Dan break down everything you need to set your lineups. From position rankings to starts and sits, the guys help you make those hard decisions. And now, let's get your flex on. Here's Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. And Monday gave us a double dose of football, Mike Harmon. Two games on the slate today in the National Football League, Dan. And as we do on the I Want Your Flex podcast, we bring that live and living color here to Fox Sports Radio. Trying to grab a couple of takeaways. And obviously for the early game, Dan, it's pretty hard given all of the principles that were missing. You got your your moments from Nick Chubb. He finished with 91 and a touchdown. So for fantasy purposes, you came away happy. Uh, Derek Carr, the touchdown, the interception, also a lost fumble. Uh, I would not have put any money on Zay Jones being his leading target uh, on the day. And Hunter Renfro, who's been a monster, uh, certainly in PPR leagues, but just in general, becoming such a huge part of that passing attack, only having five targets, finishing three for 32. Great job by the Cleveland secondary. Great job by the Cleveland secondary. But yeah, to your point, who was he really going to throw to? You know what my takeaway when I look at the the Raiders and when when you look at it from and this comes from a fantasy football perspective of what is Josh Jacobs now? And looking at Josh Jacobs and even in a Raiders victory that they had on Monday, Josh Jacobs, 50 carries, what, around, you know, 50 or so yards, has become more of a threat out of the backfield. However, the it's not like he's racking up huge numbers. And I always feel like that like that's a name that you always say, all right, okay, if I could get Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has had two 100-yard rushing games in the last two seasons combined. Both of those came last year. He had five in his rookie season two in 2020 none so far in 2021 i think it's reflective on on what the raiders have on their offensive line the changes that they made the changes they tried to make this offseason but when i'm looking at the raiders for like fantasy you know fantasy success with waller hurt uh really with no wide receiving options i know guys ended up playing hunter renfro uh this past little week. foster moreau getting into the yeah, action seven like, for 65 the, there's just there's not a lot of value there and the only name that jumps out is josh jacobs the unfortunate part is his stats don't jump out three catches 42 yards to go with his 52 uh rushing yards on 15 attempts and to your point yeah he's he's scored two touchdowns in his last seven games and really you're hoping for the total yardage to get you over 44 receptions on the year 17 of those coming in the last three weeks and obviously skewed when he went nine for nine 38 yards in that loss to Washington a couple weeks ago that helped to boost your per game average but yeah to your point you know from a fantasy perspective I mean you weren't playing Baker Mayfield even if he played right even if he was available you'd say all right it's a home game against the Raiders like no you're still not trusting that there's going to be any giant uh, dividends to be paid out there. I mean, congratulations to the secondary uh, and a little bit of Nick Mullins making a play. Uh, He goes for 147 and a touchdown, found uh, Harrison Bryant uh, for the score. You had a near miss with uh, Njoku uh, earlier in the 
in the game. But overall, it's really Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt when he's there. Mm-hmm. Right? And even Kareem Hunt would be flex-worthy uh, at best. Yeah. But we're looking at, you know, the these squads. Now the Raiders, 7-7, seven and seven, the Browns, 7-7. Seven and seven, And neither team feels dangerous at all. No, not at all. Right, I mean, just limping to the end of a schedule. You're like, for Cleveland, a lot of hope coming into the year, right? I know if we go through our list, probably some folks that had the Browns at least contending for an AFC title, right? Yeah. And here you've seen attrition, how much the Odell Beckham Jr. issue and finally him getting uh, excised from the Browns changed things up, but certainly not the season based on the all 53s that we anticipated. And I, I don't know that I expected the Raiders to be any better than this, even with the hot start. It became a, all right, I'm going to play the wait and see game to see how this flows. I think the Browns can teach us a lesson and they can teach the league a lesson. And it's not just the Browns. It's also the Indianapolis Colts for what they've done. I think that if you would, you would, you would pull people around the National Football League and ask who is the best offensive line in the NFL. There'd be votes for the Browns. I think there'd be people who would, you know, say, hey, the Colts have uh, one of the better offensive lines. Uh, Green Bay, even without their all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, they put it together. When you look at teams that have good offensive lines, they also have got good running backs behind them. And, and the point that I'm that I'm going to make is, we talk about MVP pyramid. Uh, we do it here. And Jonathan Taylor's been a guy that's been on my MVP pyramid for a while, just like Derrick Henry was. Mm-hmm. But when you invest in the offensive line and then take a talent like a Nick Chubb in the second round or a Jonathan Taylor in the second round, and you put those two combinations together, you can have success. Now, there may be other problems with the Browns, Mike, but when you see what the Colts are doing right now, They're really a a pretty good football team led by Jonathan Taylor, but it's not just Jonathan Taylor. And as someone who is a Seahawks fan and, and I'll see the, the, the fan sites and message boards say, yeah, if only the Seahawks would have taken Nick Chubb with, uh, you know, their first round pick instead of Rashad Penny. It's, it's not the same deal. If, if the Seahawks would invest in their offensive line and then bring in Nick Chubb, maybe you would have a different story. Or if they invested in their offensive line and had Rashad Penny healthy in those scenarios, then it's a different story. But it's it's not single-handedly. And that's like even Nick Chubb on a bad night tonight when they didn't have anyone, still had 90 yards and a score. Right. And it's still, still gotten to the end zone. And still looks explosive. When he hits the hole, there are very – like the way that Dalvin Cook hits the hole, the way that, that Nick Chubb does, they look different. They're, they're different animals in the NFL. But when you combine the, the, that skill set with the offensive line, like you can really do damage. And I think that more teams need to, need to realize that. Yeah, draft the running back in the second round, but you're better, you better have an offensive line that is able to block for them. Maybe we start getting back to old school football more regularly because it works. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Listen to this. Nick Chubb right now, as it stands, is fifth in the NFL in rushing. And he's played 10 games. The top five rushers, three of them have played less than 11 games. So you have Taylor one, Mixon two, Dalvin Cook, who's played 10 games third. Derrick Henry, who hasn't played in how many months, is still fourth on the NFL's rushing list uh, with 937 yards. And then you have Nick Chubb. 
doing his thing at fifth. That's where we are. All the other Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, all those guys, 14 games, 13 games behind those guys in the top five. So if you invest, you can have success like the Colts did, like the Browns have done with Nick Chubb. All right, let's move on to the other game, and we've talked a lot about it tonight, so you'll be able to find the podcast of all my rantings and ravings as the game went on. Yes, uh, the Chicago boy and me came out a little bit, and I was going to start getting into you guys' talk soon and uh, thereafter. But uh, an hour, about an hour from now, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your uh, audio, SoundCloud, etc., cetera, uh, you'll be able to pull that down, the iHeartRadio app, FoxSportsRadio.com. Uh, I'll go to this first to just kind of frame the Bears game real quick. Uh, pool reporter to uh, Scott Novak, the official. Uh, what did Nagy say or do to warrant the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against him? Quote, the flag was thrown when he started to use inappropriate language toward the official. Question, are there magic words you can't say? Novak, yes. Is it appropriate to ask you what those were? Novak, I won't repeat what he said, but it crosses a line and it's inappropriate. And that's when we throw a flag. Hmm. There you go. Is it is the warning given at any point? It's tough to warn because we don't know where the conversation is going. You, <laughs> you could you could also say uh, what were the words, and he could have brought up like a George Carlin YouTube clip. Oh, that's true. Like that that could Here, have, let me maybe, go to YouTube and tell you yeah, what, what we got. This is this is what you don't want to say. Yeah, the, absolutely amazing. Absolutely, just an incredible uh, convergence uh, of effects uh, over the course of the night. Now, the takeaway from this game, I mean, Dalvin Cook still playing with the uh, injured shoulder, 89 yards. They ran him a lot in the second half. Something Zimmer was uh, saying in his halftime comments, hey, we need to run the ball more, even though you had four guys who basically uh, were introduced almost like at a speed dating event in the Bears secondary. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 12-24, 87 yards, two touchdowns. I guess the fact that you got that second touchdown to Smith-Marset uh, made you breathe a little easier, but certainly you were licking your chops with the number of players injured slash on the COVID list for the Chicago defense. Uh, for Justin Jefferson, found the end zone, but on his 10 targets, just 47 yards, so not a big response for you there. Uh, Montgomery had 83 total yards, the big fumble inside the 10-yard line, so not only did you not get to cash in, you also lost a couple points there, and Justin Fields saves his fantasy day with his 35 rushing yards to offset the fumbles uh, that he had also absorbed a couple of sacks, but you're not exactly expecting fireworks from the bears offensively. Maybe you played Darnell Mooney on a wish and a prayer. Like I did uh, five catches, 63 yards. So an 11.3 in PPR, you'll take it as a third wide receiver, but certainly not the big hit you hope for. No, even Justin Jeff. Yeah. The, I mean, Kirk cousins, it was just, he was just rough. Yeah, yeah, just just rough. It just wasn't a good uh, all-around night. You you know, you mentioned uh, Cole Komet, six catches for 71 yards. Even, you know, on the other side, you're thinking, okay, well, Thielen's gone. Maybe Tyler Conklin can end up, you know, here at K.J. Osborne. And no, not when you throw for 87 yards that nobody's picking up any of the slack. You're even disappointed with Justin Jefferson's performance when you thought – you know, what was going to happen to that secondary. Yeah, rough one, rough one in the Windy City. Rough one in both uh, both Windy Cities. Cleveland's windy, too. But as we say, succeed and proceed. They're your takeaways, a little bit of fantasy nuggets, and 
well, for me, just another ability to get a little of the angst away. Because, you know, it's also like 97 degrees in the studio. I don't know who's in charge of the the thermostat here, Dan, but I think I've sweated <laughs> off a good seven pounds in here like I'm training for a wrestling meet. Vision Quest, I put that gif up. You had the same problem last week as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, I, know. I come from a wrestling town. I know all about cutting weight. Yeah, came, and came in yesterday. Town. Yeah, came in yesterday. Same thing. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, trying to get me, lull me to sleep. You will not. Matt Nagy and, uh, also said he called all the offensive plays tonight. So take that. Uh, as you will, moving into those final weeks with the Chicago Bears. At Dan Byer on Fox, where you find him. Find me over at Swollen Dome, the I Want Your Flex podcast, uh, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you get your audio. Download it, give it five stars. We'll love you forever. Now, coming out of, of week 15, and obviously we still have two more games to preview, we'll do that coming up a little over 20 minutes from now, and we'll get you set for the Thursday game as well. Why? Because you got to do the look ahead. We'll be live and in living color. Dan will be with me on Thursday as we watch the Titans and 49ers get after it. But, you know, one thing we would love to do is try to find some big takeaways. And there are concerns. There's injuries. The thing that I think is just the overarching theme for all of this, Dan, is that nothing's a straight line anymore. Because I go to the fantasy, you know, point leaders for week 15. I got Tyler Huntley, number one. And in the top 10, I still have Cam Newton. Oh, and Duke Johnson. (laughs) I know. No matter how I I drew it up, no matter how many crystal balls I may have gotten from anybody uh, doing a a bit of a a sideshow thing. I've got someone who does palm reading just at the end of my block. They would have never told me that Duke Johnson would become the guy that you needed to look at in Miami to help lead them to a win. Not when Miles Gaskin was cleared and you're like, all right, now this is his time to shine. No Jalen Waddle. Let's, let's move on. Let's do this with, let's do this with our guy, Miles Gaskin. Honestly, Mike, and I truly believe this. And I know that we, we, we follow football for our careers. But when I saw D Johnson on the, and, and I think it was D Johnson. Yep. I didn't rem, I, I didn't think it was Duke Johnson. I thought maybe it was, you know, not David Johnson, obviously from the Texans, but it could have been Davis could have been Dan could have been, you know, whoever Who are we missing. I never thought that it was Duke Johnson of Duke Johnson fame. And I feel like I, I dropped the ball on that because that was not expected. And again, I didn't expect the week where I would be saying I should have played Davis Mills. Like that's how crazy <laughs> week 15 was. And that's probably how crazy it's going to be over these next couple of weeks. Cause you just don't know who is going to be there, who is not going to be there when it comes to all these COVID situations. Well, and as you mentioned with Gaskin, I mean, that's obviously a a huge zag, right? A guy they drafted, a guy who is supposed to be the guy, and Duke Johnson was off the practice squad. Now he's been elevated to active. So there you go, waiver wire preview number one. Duke Johnson will probably see more work uh, for these Dolphins coming down the stretch. But to your point also, you know, with COVID, you had – upwards of 45, 50, depending on who's doing the counting and where they're ascribing them, you know, players on Monday that got added to the list, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, the moving target, and even with the change in protocols, you're still going to have a lot of positive results, and it's including a number of superstars right off the jump. 
The, uh, the, the when you see Travis Kelsey's name now pop into this reserve COVID list, I know the Chiefs have other things to play for, and it's not trying to win your fantasy league. But Mike, when you look at when you look at Kelsey's situation with the Chiefs, like that just pops out at me because there was in, in the guillotine leagues that we always talk about. Uh, Travis yeah. Kelsey was a guy that that I uh, ended up having in the league while I was still in that league. But you were waiting for that breakout, and there was some question on whether he was dinged up, uh, suffered you know a, kind of a stinger type of injury uh, earlier on in the season that may have been a reason why he wasn't breaking through. But the Chiefs' offense had troubles as well. Now, when you come off the ten catch, hundred ninety one yard two T D performance that you have, you're thinking, all right, this is why this is why I have him the fir- in the first place. And now when you're Kansas City and you're trying to fry those bigger fish of getting home field, his status uh moving forward is a is a is a little scary. So that was that was the big I mean, we can get into the Buccaneers and all that, but Travis Kelsey now being in on the reserve COVID list could throw a monkey wrench into a lot of stuff in week sixteen. Well, especially when you start looking at what the tight end position has become overall. Right, yeah. it's a a two man race with guys that pop up on the radar on occasion. Right, Dalton Schultz a huge game for Dallas this week. Rob Gronkowski, as we we've talked about, and we should get back into the the situation in Tampa here for a second. But like George Kittle's had a couple of big days and then solid day, not spectacular, but you'll take your nine plus points and move on if you're in a standard league. Yeah. Uh, the way it worked out this week, but it's been Kelsey and Andrews atop the list. You know, as you flow through with Andrews becoming really the the only option at times it seems for Baltimore uh, a bit myopic Friermuth got hurt so his availability this coming week is a question mark Hunter Henry has been more consistent and healthier for fantasy owners than you you may have anticipated but you know the big storyline going back to Gronkowski and looking like he's moving a little gingerly taking some big hits as he had to take up a bigger share of the workload Godwin now lost for the season Mike Evans didn't didn't really give you very encouraging notes coming out of his no. hamstring injury. And then you got Leonard Fournette. So all of a sudden, Ronald Jones has to pop up. And then you've got to find some other options in the receiving core with all of your guys down. I guess uh, if you stashed him, great. If you didn't, hey, Antonio Brown, welcome back. <laughs> Timing couldn't be better. No kidding. For 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 I mean for that. I mean not not saying that Tampa is like okay good we've we're down a bunch of weapons but yeah it could really have been bad if Antonio Brown was out again. The thing about Gronk now there, there's there's two things that that concern me and I think sh- should concern Tampa fans is again Gronk's health and I and I think that this is an issue because it's one thing to be. Gronk and then have Evans and Godwin on the field and figuring out a way to stop Leonard Fournette, who, by the way, I totally counted out and he's proved me wrong this year. But now if he's out as well, you can put your attention to Rob Gronkowski. In fact, you should, because you know that Tom Brady's going to go to the guys that he trusts. And, you know, no, no offense to Scotty Miller, who we love. And when you have a guy like Tyler Johnson, he still tried to target him. Gronk still got 11 targets in that right. game against the Saints. Caught two of them. Two of them. Like, that. that is unheard of, especially when you consider their rapport, Mike. So not only is it health and Gronk being hit because he's going to be getting more targets, it's also now when you're the number one option or the number two option, 
defenses can kind of focus on you and he and Brady weren't connecting that was a that was a big troublesome spot that that reared its ugly head on Sunday night the other thing that I want to circle back to really quick is you know as we're, we're talking about dealing with the COVID protocols and now the precedence has been set about changing up games changing up schedules as necessary is the vigilance handcuffing all of those things that we talk about in draft discussions before the season it's time to go and do that full sweep again because you don't know who's available and even if you do you might miss a la duke johnson because i'm guaranteeing not many folks said you know what they activated him Correct. let's play duke johnson right because uh almed had been had been cleared as well so you had two guys back for your regular backfield and they they became bystanders as Duke Johnson had his big day. So even when you think you know, this might be the – it's always got its twist and turns and bad performances, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Jamar Chase, one catch for three yards. You're not anticipating that. So you're always going to have some of those performances mixed in, but just the opportunities not being there or guys because of the short week suddenly being unavailable to you. Or in this case, welcome back to NFL and fantasy prominence. So, you know, it's the, hey, if you lose in the playoffs, you might feel a little better about your life uh, in fantasy purposes than you used to because there's so many things that are beyond your control. It's not even funny. Again, like the, when you thinking, you're thinking about shoring everything up and you're like, ah, oh, geez, I should take this guy and handcuff it with this guy and play this player. If you did that with the Dolphins, you probably made all of the right moves. And still came away severely burned, and it and it's not like you could go out there and just grab a bunch of guys from other teams, but that actually may be your better option. Like you maybe maybe you should just go out and get Dontrell Hilliard if he's available in your league instead of being like, you know what, I need to handcuff this guy and get this guy from from the same team, so I at least have somebody. I like spreading it out and going with the different teams. That's that's the way that I would go, especially if you never know if guys are going to be close contacts, who is vaccinated, who isn't, who's going to be out, who's going to be in and out. All those questions can rear its ugly. ugly. You could get caught, and then you could get caught with Duke Johnson ruining your Sunday. Caught in the switches. For me, uh, not that anybody really cares about my fantasy teams. I did not trust the Saints to put up a huge total against Tom Brady. Thought, you know, it wasn't going to be a 45-point output by the the Bucks, but no, I sat the Saints defense, went with another option, and that's the difference in advancing in the playoffs. So uh that and playing Miles Gaskin. So uh <laughs> it was a good run. You almost blew a Gaskin, right, when that happened? No, I, and then I ta- tacked on the Bears-Minnesota game to watch that just to make me feel even better about my life. Uh He's Dan Byer. I know it's for- Gasket, people. I know it. It was just the plan words. It was a good, it was a good it was. pun. Yes, thank if you. If you don't know the the comedic stylings of Dan Byer by now. I mean, come on. Be better. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. That's right. At Dan Byer on Fox uh, if you want to get angry about Gaskin and Gaskets. Or if you have any cool information about Gaskets, we appreciate that as well. Uh, find me over at Swollen Dome if you have any fantasy questions leading into Week 16 or even if you have those final decisions for the end of Week 15. Get those in as well. And it's time for the waiver wire look-see, Dan, and and COVID playing a role in some of the decision-making. Injuries that we're not quite so sure on as we talked about short weeks and turnarounds and guys going into protocol and how quickly they'll be able to get back out. 
uh, one of the big stories uh, here in Los Angeles where you've got a, a number of principles, but for fantasy purposes, the fact that Austin Eckler uh, is reportedly in COVID protocol, that opens the door for Justin Jackson. There's my obligatory Northwestern uh, line of the night because, you know, uh, Slater is coming out of COVID protocol, so it's an all-Northwestern update from the Chargers. Uh, but Jackson uh, and Kelly ran pretty well in this last week's game, and now you got a, a road date against Houston to where even as if Eckler clears, there, there may be an opportunity here to maybe lessen his load looking at a bigger picture. Yeah, it seemed like they wanted to do that against the Chiefs, even as well as you said with the with the action that that uh, that you saw on Thursday night. You also have to wonder as well on the type of game that it's going to play out, where you would expect maybe the Chargers to get a lead, then also rely on maybe the running game to uh, salt that victory away, get out of dodge with a victory, and then move ahead to Week 17. And listen. I don't want to put anything past the Texans who may be carrying some momentum from that win against the Jaguars, but the way that the Chargers are playing right now, even with that loss to the Chiefs, you'd have to think that that offense will continue to move and would have a day against the Houston Texans. Now we move forward. Obviously, Ronald Jones probably, he and Duke Johnson. I'm not going to keep harping on Duke Johnson. (laughs) Uh, But Ronald Jones would become the number one waiver wire pickup, at least from the running back position, uh, as you're looking for touches and opportunity with the likelihood that Fournette, at least in the moment, looks like he's going to at least miss week 16 uh, coming ahead with this injury. As a runner-receiver, a guy they've tried to give shots, ball security has certainly been an issue. And and Bruce Arians from the old-school mold, you know, something like Urban Meyer was kind of doing, and then he'd forget about a guy on the sideline. Uh, but you fumble, you lose uh, some reps and some opportunities. You've got to re-earn that. Here, Ronald Jones looks like he's going to get thrust back into action. There was there was another guy in that game that that stood out to me as well, and I've I've always wondered the Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, and again Fournette, as I mentioned earlier, proved me wrong this season. But there was something that I did like about Ronald Jones running the football, receiving. We've gone through that before, but I do like Ronald Jones running the football. But there was another guy in that game that actually stood out, and I think could be an interesting play for the rest of the season. And it's Marquez Calloway of the Saints, who's probably only available in about 30 or rostered in about 30 percent of leagues. When you look at what he did against the Buccaneers and Mike, I know people don't run against Tampa, but he did have over 100 yards and six Mm -hmm. receptions. And you'd have to think if you're the Saints, Taysom Hill's going to be your guy. You're trying to fight for a playoff run. You are going to need a target and you are going to need to expand some of Taysom Hill's repertoire and you have games against the Dolphins, Falcons and Panthers uh, coming up to wrap up the season. Those are your final three opponents. I think you could get some work done in those matchups. So in looking at Callaway as a possible option, he receptions wise, yardage wise, by far at his best game against Tampa. But I think that's something that the Saints would probably want to build on as well, considering you're going to want to make a push in the playoffs and make sure that that Taysom Hill can, you know, bring that aspect to the to the table when you're trying to make some damage in the postseason. Now, a guy we've talked a lot about in the podcast before, but we circle back to it here. Amon Ra St. Brown, not just because he's got a cool name, uh, is that he went out and for the second time in three weeks gave you a performance worthy of fantasy look-sees, 15, 7, and 16. Those are his last three scoring, and that's just in standard leagues. Add the, or I should say that's PPR 
uh, plus uh, in in some of these leagues. But eight ninety and one this time around. I mean that that's a fantastic mm-hmm. uh, stat line. Jared Goff goes into COVID protocol, uh, so you you've got that question mark. Right, that obviously this would have been a twenty-three point performance from him in a PPR league this past time out. But keeping an eye on that, but targets have been there for St. Brown for weeks, and then it's just a matter of all right, what's he going to do with them? And, and as we talk about a lot when it gets down to fantasy analysis, like look, I can only try to ascertain where the opportunities are going to come from. I can't guarantee the guy's going to do something with it. Look at it, you, Jimmy Graham, in the end zone. <laughs> The the other thing is is yeah who would have who would have thunk with DeAndre Swift being out TJ Hawkinson being out that you could find some gold in Detroit but you have so far and I think that those injuries have also allowed St Brown to end up kind of emerging I mean Josh Reynolds is even sure you know a, a viable target right or Craig now. Reynolds Goff. on the other side the, yeah. the running back right yeah. who, who slides in with Jamal Williams not being available uh, and he's certainly got more touches. Uh, than Jamar Jefferson or the others uh, that you were expecting to see some workload. And then you've got Samaji Pirine just in Cincinnati uh, to finish off the running back position, just uh, off the questions of Joe Mixon's a bit banged up and has carried a heavy load, so maybe some opportunity. I agree wholeheartedly. And what a tough break for Cincinnati if there is something more because that was late in the game. And he was kind of dinged up earlier and then, mm-hmm. uh, or in that fourth quarter and then ended up coming back. That would be a tough one in what, is, uh, what could be the uh, biggest game that Cincinnati has had uh, in a while coming up. Quarterback position, obviously tough. If you look at schedules and who would be available, you know, Tyler Hundley, if he, if he plays, then certainly he's on the radar as a pickup and, and starter for you, potentially as a, a certainly in a two QB league, but even in a standard uh, roll in the dice, if you're a heavy underdog, uh, you've got Ben Roethlisberger, who we just keep circling back to. Uh, you've only got one or two big performances out of him really this season. And even then you're wishing and hoping likewise, watching Justin Fields against Minnesota tonight, some opportunities uh, left on the field, still finished with a solid night though. When you get to, you know, the final statistics and you add your rushing yards to things, uh, you, you get into a, a decent level for him, but really not a whole lot at this point. It's a dance with who brung you kind of scenario. All right, let's get into the games for tomorrow. Uh, two, they'll both start at four o'clock Pacific time. Start first. Jalen Hurts expected to go. Eagles six and a half point favorites. Forty-two. You're over under. Washington hit with COVID protocols all all over the place. Uh, as what necessitated the moving of this game. Eagles running the ball effectively. Washington, uh, the offense comes alive in spurts, but not consistent enough. I'm looking at the Eagles, uh, a nice spot for them to fight towards playoff contention. Gosh, there's something about the Eagles that I just, I don't know what it is that I can't get past. I don't know if it's Nick Sirianni not giving the ball to Miles Sanders earlier on in the season that has changed and Sanders uh, should be playing against uh, Washington on, on Tuesday, but there's just something, there's just something that I can't get past that. I always feel like Washington is going to have like this rejuvenated effort, but they're just so depleted, Mike, there's just nothing to get past. So even against my will, I guess I will, I will side on the Eagles side of things and all of this. I mean, heck, they're still in the thick of things when it comes to, to wild card scenarios. And the Eagles also have a win against the Saints 
uh, this season. So that could come into play if a wild card situation mm-hmm. plays out. But I just I, I liked Philadelphia at week one when they took it to the Falcons. And then there was just times where I don't know. I think I was believing in them too much and they weren't coming through. And so now they've kind of scorned me. But I just think Washington's too depleted for them to to uh, uh, to mess this one up. So I like Philly in that one. The other game to be played, your Seattle Seahawks, seven-point underdogs here in Los Angeles at SoFi against the Rams. 46 is the total. Rams getting healthy, as we talked about earlier. Odell Beckham Jr., Daryl Henderson, and Jalen Ramsey, uh, among others, are back uh, getting out of protocol. Seahawks put a few new members in. Still, plus seven, I like them. And in the Sunday morning show, I went out on that limb and I said, uh, Russell Wilson and company create some chaos by beating Matt Stafford. For as much as the Rams, you know, have played the Seahawks well, there is also the case of maybe Sean McVay having a bit of the Seahawks number at times. And now when you're the Seahawks going in, you don't think you're going to have Tyler Lockett. So there's going to be a weapon that you lose. I think it's going to be tough. I think the Rams turned a corner against Arizona. Uh, The the Seahawks had the, had the nice win against the, the Texans, but you also have to realize that in that game, they kind of struggled for a half against the Texans and the 49ers game where they won. They didn't San Francisco didn't have Debo Samuel. So mm-hmm. for as much as I'd want to believe it's just going to be difficult. It will be interesting. The DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey matchup, because there is some history. They seem to really respect each other, but you know that there's going to be some jawing. If there is no Tyler Lockett, there are going to be very few options for Russell Wilson to throw to. And so you're going to you wonder how much you're going to see of DK Metcalf, how many opportunities he could get, how many opportunities Jalen Ramsey could get. So that's what's going to make that game fun. And then we have Thursday night, your 49ers against the Titans. <laughs> Three and a half, you're being the the world's 49ers, uh, or maybe mine because I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Three and a half point favorites against Tennessee. Tennessee last seen blowing a lead and stomping on the Steelers logo, which we know does not work for anybody. Elijah Mitchell still banged up for the Titans, though. Even if Julio Jones is out, looks like A.J. Brown might be able to come back and give them a lift in the passing game. My goodness, will they need it as well. Yeah, San Francisco just seems to be rolling. I, I mean, if, if A.J. Brown is back and you're you're hurting at a wide receiver you know, spot, may want to put him in in fantasy because I'm not sure exactly what the Titans could do. But you could just see a, a super big run game on Thursday where you get Jeff Wilson Jr. and Debo Samuel and you get Dontrell Hilliard and you get Don Dante Foreman, and it's just run, 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 and the game's over in two hours and 20 minutes. I did feel good that we got uh, Jeff Wilson into some fantasy lineups for people uh, this past week. Elijah Mitchell both uh, still having issues with the concussion protocol and his knee. Concussion protocol has been cleared, but the knee may keep him out. Now I'm going to go to Bears.com as a Bear Cub climbs a mountain to reunite with Mama Bear because I'm not doing anything with the Chicago Bears. And that wraps up this episode of I Want Your Flex. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. Find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Good luck the rest of the week, and we will talk to you on Friday.